is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Okay. A couple of weeks ago, um, I started a message called Having a Passion for Jesus. Having a Passion for Jesus. And uh, we looked at a couple of things together. We looked at, uh, we were asked the question, how do you fall in love with Jesus? How do you have a passion for him? Assuming that that is something that you would like, uh, or that you would be interested in finding out more about. I guess that was not an unreasonable assumption, the fact that uh, you were here. I'm trusting many of you were here a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we we looked at the first part uh, of that message where we said, well, the first thing is to uh, is to be thoroughly saved and be certain of your uh, salvation, having uh, believed in God and repented of your sin, uh, looking to go on uh, uh, living for him and, uh, and with him. The second thing was being stirred by the Bible, allowing God to speak to you uh, through this book. Uh, and, the, and the third thing was being filled with the Holy Spirit. We, uh, uh, a few of us spent some time yesterday looking at our membership course, and there are a few people that were looking at uh, joining Jubilee, and we spent some time going through some of the things that are important to us as a church and uh, what we believe. And uh, we were talking about the importance of holding together the importance of God's Word and also the Holy Spirit, and how there may be some churches that have an emphasis on one, perhaps not the other. Um, but we would try to have an emphasis on both and hold those two things uh, in tension. So uh, it was interesting just looking at my notes again, thinking, oh, we, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago being you know, stirred by God's word, but also being filled with the Spirit. And uh, you might describe us, or you might describe New Frontiers, the family of churches we're part of as a word and spirit movement. Both are important to us. It's not one or the other. We try and hold the two in tension, not saying they're competing at all, it's both. It's God's word, and it's the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as well. So we looked at those things. And then last week, if you were with us, we had Arnold Bell from Sheffield, who was, uh, uh, it was fantastic to have him uh, with us. And so now we come back to this message of having a passion for Jesus. And uh, if you're waking notes this morning, then that's my title, Having a Passion for Jesus, Part 2, uh, if you like. And uh, having looked at those first three things of uh, being thoroughly saved, being stirred by God's word, being filled with the Spirit... Number four is this, being motivated by his grace. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, my normal style in preaching, I guess uh, my default, if you like, is to take a book of the Bible and and preach through it. Uh, But I really felt just a couple of weeks ago to look at this subject and spend some time looking at this. So it's not that we're not looking at the Bible, we'll be looking at a few verses together, but uh, we're doing it in a slightly different way, looking at a topic rather than expounding a passage as such. But having said that, if you'd like to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, we'll read a couple of verses together. Because being motivated by his grace is key to not only becoming a Christian, but key to moving on in the Christian life as well. John Wimber, the the founder of the Vineyards movement of churches, used to say this. He used to say, the way on is the way in. The way on in the Christian life is knowing and receiving God's grace. It's the same as the way into the whole deal. And so being motivated by God's grace is important for us. And it's important we understand what that means. 
So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says this in his letter to the church there in Ephesus. He says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I'll read it again. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Even some of the words that were coming during our worship time earlier about coming back to God and uh, receiving his grace afresh, knowing God's mercy, tied into the same thing. And uh, maybe for you, uh, there's been a season where you feel, actually, you just feel dry. Or you're thinking, you've been away from God. Or maybe that passion you used to have is lost. Well, knowing and understanding God's grace is key for you as well. Because so often we can think, oh, well, to get, to get back to where I was, I, I've got to do these things. I must do this. I must do the other. And, and we make a whole list for ourselves. And then when, more often than not, we fail to achieve every item on said list, we end up using it to beat ourselves. Or is that just me? We've all done it, haven't we? We think, oh, we've got to do all these things. And uh, I said a couple of weeks ago, please don't use these points as a checklist. They're not meant for that. They're meant to have some things to encourage and help us. But knowing, understanding and being motivated by God's grace brings a different perspective to the whole deal. See, we're only saved because of God's grace. He has made it all possible. The only thing that you bring to the equation of your salvation is your sin. God has done everything else. It is finished, was Jesus' cry on the cross. You don't have to add anything to it. And whilst most of us would perhaps have an understanding of that, very often those of us who have been Christians for any length of time we find that we can slip into a different non-biblical thinking. And we think that we somehow have to earn God's love. We think we have to earn his approval. We think we have to earn his blessing. And friends, it's not the case. The Bible calls that legalism. And that isn't just about following a set of rules or regulations, but rather it's the thinking that you have to do something in order to earn God's love for you. You you might think, well, God will only love me if I read my Bible more. God would only love me if I pray more. Or maybe God would love me uh, more if, if I witnessed more and spoke more to my friends about Jesus. Well, all those things are good to do but they don't affect your standing before God. Whether this week you have spent good time reading God's word, or whether you haven't opened it since you were here last Sunday, doesn't affect your standing before God. God loves you. It's because of his grace. And so often, I guess it's because we live in a sort of performance-orientated culture, don't we? Before I I worked for the church full-time, I used to work for a company that sold things. And so both both me and managing it, and also my staff, were incentivised to sell said things. And the more we sold, the bigger our pay packet was at the end of the month. So it was a good incentive. 
you know, to get on the phone or to get out and see some clients and to encourage them to, that, you know, whatever it was we were selling at that particular time would be good for them. And it generally was, so we were selling good products. And the more we did that, and uh, well, actually we got incentivized on when the check came in, so it wasn't just a signing a deal, we had to follow it through to get the money in. When the money came in, it landed on the desk, I could think, I'm going to get paid on that this month. And my staff could think, we're going to get paid on that deal. It's, it's, it's gone through. We've, we've got the money. And so the incentive was there. It's not like that in the Christian life. We can sometimes take that thinking that is quite commonplace in a work environment and think, oh, well, if I, if I do this, I'll get something. Friends, God loves you because of his grace. Because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Even before you had even tried to do something. If you could to earn God's grace and his love and acceptance, he'd made it all possible. It is by grace that you have been saved. And the thinking that we have to do something is fatal. The Galatian church, for example, had fallen into this legalistic thinking and, uh, and Paul was pretty direct to them when he wrote to them. Maybe you know the passage. If you've got your Bibles there, just turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Let me read a few verses to you. Galatians 3 verse 1. Paul says this in his tender, loving, caring, apostolic way. You foolish Galatians, he starts. <laughs> Who has bewitched you? You think, wow, what have I done? What have they done? And you think, oh, wow. You foolish Galatians, Paul says. Who's bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? And Paul goes on to, to deal with this legalistic thinking in the Galatian church. He, oh, hey, Paul takes it really seriously. And he does. And we need to too. You see, if we let the Christian life become one of just following a set of rules and regulations, then all of its life all of its joy will slowly, if not quickly, dissipate. And it becomes just a list of things you've got to do. And very often it doesn't happen overnight. Very often it happens over a period of time. Just as, so I'm told, when you put a frog in a saucepan of water and heat it up slowly on the cooker. I'm told that I haven't... No animals were harmed in this preaching illustration. I am told by others that a frog doesn't jump out because its body temperature gets slowly accustomed to its environment. And slowly over a period of time you get cooked frog. Which is a little unpleasant. But it is fatal eventually. Even though it's slow and the frog doesn't realise it, it's fatal. Friends, it's the same with us, thinking that we can somehow earn God's approval. 
You might not notice it immediately, but it's fatal. It doesn't happen overnight, but you get accustomed to that new environment you find yourself in of, of the checklist. Have I done this? Have I done that? What will God think of me now? And we find ourselves just losing all our joy, losing all the life of God that he's put in us. You see, if the devil was to turn up this morning, stand here and say, here's a completely different gospel I want you to believe, most of us would say, no, you're wrong, go away. But he doesn't do that. He's cunning. He adds something to the message, just a little bit very often. And so he leads us astray by thinking, well, yeah, yeah, you can believe that, but you've got to do this as well. Oh, yes, you can believe that, but you have to add on something else. Or, oh, yes, it's great you believe the gospel, but you've just got to do this as well. Now, in Paul's culture, in his time, the issue that had come to the forefront was there were those Jews who said that men needed to be circumcised in order to follow Jesus, in order to join the church, to be a Christian. We're not saying that. You'll be pleased to know. And we're not saying that you have to add on anything else either. Now, you might notice if we started saying that, guys, oh, I don't like the sound of that. But it's very easy for us to just add on something else without even realising it. And slowly that life of God just seems to drain away. Maybe it's, you know, yeah, God will love me because I know he loves me, but I've got to read my Bible every day or else he might not. Or, you know, I've, I've got to get that quiet time in. We sort of drag ourselves out of bed and sit there and force ourselves to, to pray and half fall asleep and think, got to get through it, got to get through it, must have a quiet time. There's no joy in that. There's no life in that. That's not how God intends it to be. The gospel plus anything else is legalism. And Paul addressed it really firmly. And we need to make sure we address it firmly in our own lives too. If you've lost your joy as a Christian, if you feel that the life of God has sort of drained from you and you feel you're just going through the motions... I would suggest to you that it's quite possible, likely even, that you need a fresh understanding of God's grace and his love for you and his grace working in your life. Because as you do that, God's life and his power and his presence can come afresh to you. And that's a whole different deal than trying to go through a list of rules and regulations. Okay, the next one... Number five is this, being certain of the outcome. Being certain of the outcome. I wonder, are you the sort of person who, when you get a new book, maybe from the library or maybe from the bookstore, you sort of go to the last chapter and uh, you decide, I want to see how it ends. Do you ever do that? Or maybe you're in a bookshop thinking, oh, I'm going to buy a book to, to read on holiday or for a journey that's ahead of you. And you're thinking, well, you look at the first few chapters, first few pages, then you skip to the end. Thinking, I wonder how it finishes. I wonder if it's a good ending. I wonder if I'll enjoy it. And depending on that, you, know, you either buy the book or you choose something else. Have you ever done that? Some of you, I don't believe, who are shaking your head. You protest too much. <laughs> Being certain of the outcome makes a huge difference to us. One of the least read and probably least understood books of the Bible is the one we find right at the end of it. 
the book of Revelation. Now, I love Revelation. I don't pretend to understand uh, everything in it, every dot and comma, but I understand the thrust of it and what God is trying to teach us through it. I love it. Because in it, we get a glimpse to the end. We get a glimpse of the last page of the story of the earth. We get a glimpse of the last page of what's going to happen at the end of time. We get a glimpse of what's going to happen when Jesus comes again to reign as king. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to turn with me to it. Much of the book of Revelation is a vision that that God gives to the Apostle John. And um, we find in, in Revelation 21 that John says this, verse 1, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Friends, doesn't that encourage you? Doesn't that encourage you? Firstly, if you're going through a tough time right now, you can be certain, not just wishful, you can be certain that when Jesus returns, and there comes a new heaven and a new earth, there will be no more pain. No more pain, no more suffering, no more death or mourning. There's great comfort in that. And all of us, regardless of our age or current circumstances, at one time in our life or another, if not right now, have experienced pain or suffering or mourning, Listen to what Jesus says. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Hallelujah. Isn't that exciting? We can, we can skip to the end. And regardless of what you're going through now, and I don't mean, please don't hear what I'm not saying, I don't mean to belittle any circumstance because life is trying very often and difficult and painful. God does promise that he's with us through it. He promises never to leave us or to forsake us, but to walk through those things with us. But we can have our eyes fixed on that day. That day when Jesus returns. That day when he says, now God says the dwelling of God is with men. No more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. We can look forward. We can be certain of that outcome. So firstly, it should encourage you in current circumstances. And if, even if you don't need that encouragement now, you probably will do. I'm not just being negative. That's just life. 
So hold on to that promise. Hold on to what God has said. Hold on to that day when Jesus returns. But secondly, being certain of the outcome means that we can be confident of this. Confident that playing our part in God's kingdom is worthwhile. Because we can be certain of the outcome. You can be certain, if you are a Christian here this morning, you can be certain that by playing your part in God's kingdom, by playing your part in his church, seeing the gospel advance, seeing the the church glorified in the earth, you can be certain that you are going to be on the winning side. You're going to be on the winning team. Now if you were to go out this afternoon and uh, go and play football on a local sports ground, you might not know which side you're going to be on. You might, you know, you might, if there are a few of us and then you know, Manchester United, you might know that you'd be on the winning side, depending which side you're on. Sorry, Man U fans. Um, but more likely you wouldn't know. Listen, as a Christian, you know that you're going to be on the winning team. A winning side. You can be certain of it, because God has said it. So doesn't that make it even more worthwhile playing your part in his kingdom, in the advancing church and the gospel of God? Doesn't it make it worthwhile? Because you think you might think, well, I wonder if it'll be worthwhile. I wonder if it'll be worth my time. I wonder if it'll be worth my effort. Wonder if it'll be worth my energy serving God and uh, and serving in his church and seeing the gospel advance. I wonder if it'll be worth it in the end. Yes, it will. Because you can guarantee that you're going to be on the winning side, on the winning team, because we know how it ends. We can flip to the end of the book and we can see how it finishes. I wonder who it will be that reaches that last unreached people group with the gospel before Jesus returns. I wonder who will it be that will learn that language where Currently in that culture, they don't have the Bible in a form they can understand. I wonder who it will be that will take time to learn their language and translate it. There might be those that respond to Jesus in that nation, that people group. I wonder who will perhaps be the next Billy Graham or the next Nicky Gumbel in years ahead. Or I wonder, who will lead them to Christ? Have you ever thought about that? Do you know the person who led Billy Graham to Christ? Do you know his name? Do you know the story? No one knows him, really. But think of the effect he's had. Through that one prayer he prayed with a young farm lad called Billy. And think about it, over the years, how many millions of people have heard the gospel because of one person who shared their faith? Not even did the preaching in front of crowds, just did the witnessing to their friends, getting to know them and sharing the love of God with them. I wonder who it will be. I wonder if it will be one of you. Someone sitting here this morning, you might go to a distant land in years ahead what if that would be the last people group that gets to hear the gospel maybe it would be one of your children I wonder who it will be friends we're on the winning side 
We know how it's going to end. You can be part of the winning team. And understanding that, being certain of the outcome, should help motivate us to have a passion for Jesus. Because we know it's worthwhile. It will be worthwhile even if we weren't sure. Let me say that and make it clear. But friends, we are sure. We can be certain. We can look at the end of the book and see what God has said. So let me encourage you, as we've talked before about knowing that we're, we're safe, knowing that we're Christians, knowing that we've repented of our sin, believed in God. Let's allow God's word to speak to us. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to fill us with his power, his work in our lives. Think about it. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you as a Christian this morning. It's not that God had got one lot of power, that's the Jesus from the dead power, and then there's just a little bit over here, which is the, that's all they need. It's the same power, friends. That's what the Bible tells us. Same power that raised Jesus from the dead, God wants to give to you this morning, so that you can live for him. You can witness to your friends. You can overcome. You can experience God's joy and presence in your life. Same power. As we understand living by his grace. That's the way into becoming a Christian. It's the way on to living as a Christian. And then finally, let's remind ourselves of the outcome. Let's fast forward. Let's let's push that button on the remote. Fast forward right to the last chapter. Right to the last scene. We can be certain of the outcome. Because God has told us, he has made it clear, you can be on the winning side. Let's stand, we're going to pray together as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence with us this morning. Father, we've been so grateful to uh, know you with us. Thank you for speaking to us as we worshipped you. God, you came. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you should dwell with us. Thank you that you do. Thank you that you love to. Lord, we love to worship you. And Lord, what a great spin-off that you should bless us and speak to our hearts and encourage us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he brings us. Thank you that they glorify Jesus and they build us up as well. And they build up the church. We thank you for your presence, Lord. And we thank you too that we can be so certain of the outcome of how things are going to finish. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you that because of it we can respond to you to start with. Thank you that because of it we can carry on growing in our Christian life. And thank you that we can be confident and certain of how things will finish. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us. We love you. We love to worship you. We love to receive from you. We thank you for speaking to us. We pray you continue with us, Lord, in these days ahead and in the week ahead. Father, help us to live for you. Help us to glorify you. Help us to, as it were, move that ball up the field 
playing our part confidently because we know we can be certain of the outcome. We thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Can the band come back, please? We're going to... Guys, can you come and lead us? I just felt as well I was praying there, we should just give opportunity to <coughs> pray for... I, th- I think one category of people, maybe others, as, as God will lead us in the uh, few minutes we have remaining before we close. I just felt as I was praying there... We we talked about being certain of the outcome. We talked about how that can help us, motivate us and encourage us. But the reality of life now may be different. And I'd love to give this opportunity to pray for you this morning if you're thinking, yeah, I know I can look forward to that, but right now it's tough. And right now there is some pain or mourning or crying. Right now there is some tears. I want to pray for you this morning that God might encourage you in the current circumstances of your life. You might continue to live for him. So, Wes, can you lead us uh, in just a a quiet song of worshipping Jesus? And if that's you, then you come. I'm not going to do this for long, I guess. Just you come real quick. And so there'll be others that can gather around, pray for you, lay hands on you, and ask God's Spirit to come and minister his grace and his presence to you that you might know God's encouragement and presence with you in your current circumstance as you look forward to the age that is to come. Let's sing together. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.